0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, Vineyard Community Church, and I'm glad you're here. There we go. Uh, We are starting tonight a a new study on the book of John. It continues on in the study we're doing throughout the New Testament. We're taking a chapter at a time. We're working our way through. We just finished up the book of Mark. Um, If you wonder why we're not moving into Luke next, it's because I want to do Luke and Acts together, because they flow very nicely together, because they were both written by Luke. And uh, and so I thought we'd go ahead and look at John. And John's a little different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which are known as the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, it has uh, in it some things that the other ones don't contain, um, particularly relating to the deity of Jesus. And in the book of John, you'll find some neat things like all the I Am statements that Jesus makes that aren't recorded in the other Gospels. Um, you also find that the, uh, the book of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all sort of had a target audience. We just looked at Mark that was targeted to the Romans. Um, John is really more of a universal gospel, sort of targeted to all people at all times. And um, when anybody comes and asks me where they should start reading the Bible, if they've never read it before, I always tell them to start in the book of John. So I think it's just a great place to begin to get the feel for what's taking place and the way that... Uh, the Gospel is presented. John also was probably the last of the four Gospels written. Um, we think historically about 40 years after uh, Jesus went to the cross. Um, a little later than the rest of the guys. He apparently lived longer than the other disciples. Um, you know, we know from church history. He was around at quite an old age. And, um, and penned the Gospel of John for us at some point after uh, that in his life. And so um, there's a lot of things I want to uh, talk about as we, we work through uh, John together. Um, we'll see again a, a lot of the same things we've, we've seen in the way that he presents why he's come and what he's come for and, and some of the things he's up against. We'll see him run up against the Pharisees again, although they get a little more personalized in John um, as far as uh, we meet a Pharisee in Nicodemus and uh, that encounter and what that looks like. So, uh, I I think you'll you'll find it a a very fascinating and interesting book. I'm looking for my glasses. There they are. So I can read you John, chapter 1. You can read along. It should be all there in your notes. Or you can open your Bibles, if you'd like, to John, chapter 1, 51 verses. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through Him all men might believe. He himself was not the light, he came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who is at the Father's side has made him known. Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They asked him then, who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now some Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent that day with him. It was about the tenth hour. Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. And when Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. And blessed be the word of the Lord. All right, lots of stuff happens in John chapter 1. And in effect, we could probably take week after week after week just to digest it. But that's not what we're doing. So we'll condense and summarize uh, the best that we can, and sort of hit the main points uh, along the way and um, john the the purpose we're going to see from John over and over again is that um, what he's really doing is is to unveil uh, the man Jesus and to reveal him as God um, the The theme of deity, which runs throughout the gospels, it does, but it's it's more clearly stated in John than it is in the other Gospels. And you'll see it over and over again that, um, that, that John makes sure that people know that Jesus is God um, and that, that they make that connection along the way. And it's very important that they do that. And so we, we'll see the book start that way. Uh, also, in these first few chapters, uh, the first four chapters, we're going to be introduced to four very interesting people along the way. John the Baptist, Nathaniel, Nicodemus, and the woman at the well. Now let me just say right off the bat. Sometimes people think that the Book of John was written by the John, John the Baptist, and it's not. So some, uh, some, it's a mistake that people make all the time. Um, John, and I think they make the mistake because John the Baptist is immediately talked about in the first chapter of the Book of John. But it's two different people. Okay, John the Baptist is John the Baptist, not the author of the Book of John. And and uh, so you need to know that. Um, but, but it, it's interesting, these first four people, the way the book is laid out and the way that, uh, the, that John uh, lays it out for us. And remember, all the writers were inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, and they wrote under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and yet their own uh, personalities, their own writing styles, their own, um, uh, the way that they saw things um, is all incorporated into the Gospels because, you know, you can't separate the two things. But uh, all of them were written uh, under the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. and, and But John will set his uh, book up to have the, the greatest impact for what his mission is, which I again believe is to be a, 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 a presenter of the message of Christ in a way that um, most people can receive it and hear it, that are open to hear it and to receive it. And so uh, he, he does some things. These first four people are, are interesting, I think, in, in the way that they represent. Uh, John the Baptist was the forerunner to Jesus. Uh, he was sent to prepare Israel for his arrival, to wake them up, to say, hey, he's coming. You need to get ready. He's coming now. And uh, the one you've been waiting for is on his way. That was the mission of John the Baptist. Um, Nathanael represents a godly Israelite uh, who responded at the very first evidence that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, John the Baptist and Nathanael are both very open-hearted to Jesus, and they both accept him um, on the basis of a couple of personal miracles, and we'll talk about that uh, sort of a pattern through John here in a little bit. But but those two represent uh, John the Baptist. He's the forerunner. Nathanael, a godly Israelite who receives Christ um, for who he is. Then we're going to meet Nicodemus, who's um, one of the religious teachers... And, and he, he sees the things that Jesus is doing and he believes that they're coming from God and yet because of the, the, um, the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees, they just can't take it in. Uh, and we have talked about the Pharisees over the last, I don't know how many months we've been doing it, 45 weeks. It's a long time now. This is the 45th week of this, of this thing. So almost a year. We've seen the encounters with the Pharisees that Jesus had. We know them not as evil people but as, as misguided people who who joined together to protect Judaism from the influence of the Greeks but after a couple hundred years had, had so lost the, the, the heart of the message of God, of, of love and relationship that it had become all rules and, and they were so set in their understanding and their ways and they were so set in how how they thought Jesus was going to come, how they thought the Messiah was going to come, that when He didn't come the way they expected Him to, they couldn't receive Him. Now note, in contrast, John the Baptist and Nathaniel received Christ after... uh, Well, let let me get into that uh, even now. Because uh, Nicodemus had seen all these big miracles that Jesus did, and he still couldn't get it. He he knew something was up, but he couldn't accept Him as Christ. Um, John the Baptist... Had some pretty strong preconceptions about Messiah because we read that he talks about when he talks about Messiah as someone who's going to come and execute judgment, that was his preconceived idea of messiah uh, and, and so, so here 's the deal because we know that we we're pretty confident that John the Baptist and Jesus were cousins and that they knew each other and would have known each other growing up and and so you, you say, well how did how did John the Baptist not know Jesus? apparently until jesus comes and is baptized and the 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 spirit comes in the form of a dove and the witness of god is this is him that's when it connects with john the baptist who it is now imagine now he's got to change his preconceived ideas and accept now that his cousin who probably had been a fairly gentle person up to that point in time is indeed the messiah that he's been waiting for one who's going to come and execute judgment and john the baptist is able to make the switch See, he, he, he was able to put his trust in Christ um, and, and, and to move in that direction. Nathanael, who, again, a true Israelite, would have had an expectation of, of the Messiah. And his whole thing was um, that, that he knew that, that, that Messiah couldn't come from Nazareth. He didn't know at the time that that's not where he was born, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. So he, and, and even with that, he said but because when Jesus saw him under the fig tree, he goes, well, you must be God. You must be the Christ. You must be the one. He accepted him. You'll see that, that these guys sort of move out of their preconceived ideas to accept who Jesus is. The Pharisees can't do it. Although they see the same evidence, they can't make the shift. They just can't get there. And then ultimately the woman at the well will, will be a picture of all of us who are willing to accept Jesus for who he is. And uh, um, she sort of represents the, the, the myriad of, of human people who, when they meet Jesus, put their confidence in Israel's Savior. See, that's what we've done. And, and so the first four encounters, I think, are, are pretty intense. And, and the first three chapters, four chapters of the book are, are very much um, salvation-oriented, how we get saved and why it's important. And so you'll see these stories as we come through them. Now, John 1, 1 through 18, um, is is a fascinating uh, introduction into Jesus. You know, the, the other writers generally started with how he was born, who he was, you know, who his parents were, his ancestry, or, or with Mark's case, we skipped the birth altogether and just popped into the ministry. But here, uh, John takes us back to the very root of the beginning of everything, into the deity of Christ. In the the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made. He is the Word. And and, um, that title teaches us that He has always been the one through whom God expresses Himself. Um. But then the question would come up, well, you know, how did God express himself um, before the incarnation, before Jesus came? How did God express himself? And, and uh, um, I, I obviously God was known before Jesus entered the world. And in the very few, first few verses of, verse of John, I think they, they sort of give us an idea uh, of how it happens. In John uh, 1, 3, uh, it, it talks about creation. And that's one of the ways that God has made himself known to people. Through him all things were made; without him nothing was made that has been made. So the creation is a witness to God, and and always will be, at some at some level. Um, even in its broken state, and and we know that sin messed up the planet. Creation is still fascinating. Um, uh, I know that. Uh, we live in a world, and I told you this last weekend, where information is expounding and we want to scientifically look at things and have a scientific explanation for everything and ultimately science is good and always points us to the truth if it's, if it's started in the right way. A lot of problem with science is that they often take and uh, they, they, take, they start with an idea and then they try and prove it rather than working the other way around and And so you get bad results um, because they they sort of take some things to be that they assume are true that not aren 't necessarily true but but ultimately, if you take a good look at creation, um, it makes you think i think I, how do you explain it away i think and i 'm sure if i didn 't know Christ, I could explain it away because i I used to you know I always took that that uh, before I knew Christ and before I, I just figured, you know, there had to be a reason for it. But, but in thinking about it now, and I, I'll have to give you it's my perspective, but how do you begin to explain away the, the creation? I mean, the, the planets and, and gravity and, uh, I mean, isn't this stuff cool? You know, and you think about it and, and you know, because without gravity we'd be in big trouble. <laughs> without gravity none of us would be here. Um, That's stupid, but but you know what I mean. Or we'd all have seat belts everywhere we went, or something. If we'd have made it this long, I don't know what would have. Um, but you know, you think about things spinning around other things, and and uh, it's crazy. How does it just all happen out of nothing? It's Just all some. I I, I have I think you know there has to be meaning to. So so the evidence of God is found in creation. In John 1, 4, um, he he talks about uh, in him was life. And and life speaks of God. The every living thing, every every creature, us. Um, you know, I was just talking about the plan a minute ago. How about thinking about the way you work and trying to imagine that you weren't designed. I don't know how people think about it. That that you weren't put together by someone with a plan. I mean the stuff that, that that we can do. You know, if it wasn't for sin and everything in the world and the disease and stuff that comes with it, you'd live. And your body's made to live. I mean, you know, you, you, you think about things like, like, um, you know, if you cut yourself, you grow new skin. Um, how your eye works, takes in images upside down, flips them around so you can make sense of them. How your hands work. Um, uh, you know, uh, um, how we make new people. Uh, all that stuff—it's crazy. You know, I'm 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 watching my daughter now get ready to have a child, and I think, well, how do you not have a design for that? And and, and you know, who would ever have thought of a of a situation like that? That that this is how we, you know, it's just it's just wild that, that uh, those things happen. It, it, it's an evidence of God, and and Jesus uh, or John records that for us in here. In John one five, he talks about the light. The light shines in the darkness but the darkness has not understood it. That light represents holiness, righteousness, good. And in contrast, darkness is the, is the moral term representing evil and those warp and, and twisted ways that things have done. And, and here's the thing. There's, it gets, people snuff it out, but, but in people is this thing, that, this light, that delineates good and bad. Apart from it, how would we know there was a good and a bad? Uh, apart from a creator, where would that come from? Where where would that even understanding that there's a good and a bad come from? Unless there was someone who, who imparts that to us. That inherently we know the right thing to do. That doesn't mean we always choose to do it. But every society has some sort of system in place that, that says there, there's a right and there's a wrong. Um, now again... People in their depravity snuff it out, and we talk about people that seem to have no conscience whatsoever, but they had one at some point. It, it was just a, you know it's a series of decisions or mental disease or demonic oppression possession whatever that allows them to operate outside of that. But it's there. You know the difference between right and wrong, and you know it from really little. You know when you're little, and you snatch a toy from somebody else. You're not supposed to do it. You do it anyway. Um. You know, I mean, it's like if you were people in the world everywhere, if they were given this multiple choice question of you go to a street corner and there's a lot of traffic and and there's a uh, I'm not picking on elderly women. I want to say it right. But for my example, there's a there's a very mature woman on the corner, lovely, beautiful, but but mature. And so anyway, moving on from there. And you go to the corner, and you're given three choices. Your three choices are what to do in that situation. Do you, A, completely ignore her, B, help her get across the street, or C, push her into oncoming traffic? <laughs> People know the right answer. Right? They don't always do it, but they know it. We, we're, that's the light, see, is in each one of us. And, and the one who brought that light came into the world. And, and yet, before he, was, uh, before he came, he still made known who God was uh, as the Word and as that title. And so, um, and then finally, the Word uh, took expression in space and time and came. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. How amazing is that? I've been thinking about that, uh, just that the, the whole concept of God coming knows what it is to be like us because He lived here, lived sinlessly, but knows He He chose to come in space and time and dwell among us, and and um, we have seen His glory. It's recorded for us in Scripture, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. How is grace portrayed in the Book of John? in the very coming of Jesus Christ. Um, that's grace. That He came, and, and what He would do is a, is, a, is a testimony to His grace that He would live a sinless life, that He would go to the cross on our behalf willingly, that He would exchange His life for us so that our sin might be dealt with, that we might have life forever in God. And, and uh, he, he reaches out, the Bible says, to individuals, and He gives them the right to become the children of God. And the grace of God is displayed. And then in, in 19 through 51, and I already uh, talked about most of the stuff I was going to talk about, um, is, is we, we see the encounters with John the Baptist and with Nathaniel primarily. And we see them responding to these small personal miracles and a little discourse. And afterwards, they both are fully committed to Christ. And, and it, it talks about, and you'll see this again in John, where, where there'll be a little miracle and then they'll, they'll connect with god um we see john the the, we see Nicodemus come after seeing lots of miracles the woman at the well though jesus you know speaks to her and she knows he knows all about her and the fact that he knows all about her says well you must be the christ because he he sort of calls her on her life a little bit but he does it in great love oh yeah she said i need to go and tell and he goes, yeah you tell him and all the other ones (laughs) and she goes he knows all about me you need to come and meet jesus um It changes people and it impacts people um, that Jesus has come. And and so, um, again, we'll look and see how uh, the people there had to separate their preconceived ideas with reality. And, again, we always need to be on the alert ourselves that we don't get God in some box that we miss him when when he's right there with us. I'm going to wrap it down there for this week, John chapter 1. Next week, you know what we're going to do? We're going to look at John chapter... Two, very good. You guys, after 45 weeks, I really feel good about your progress, and that we're good there. Um, if you're watching my video, they're gonna. Uh, if you need anything, you can email us, call us, call us. We'll be happy to pray for you. Um, Williston Group, uh, have a great day, great night, and uh, Scott and Pam will be happy to pray for you. And we're going to go ahead and pray for the prayer requests here. So we'll see you later. If you have prayer requests, why don't you pass them up to me so that I can pray for them before we go this evening.